Christy asked me uh, to do this. I know she was surprised that I said yes, but I had just shared my testimony, faith journey, whatever language you want to call it, uh, with the high school youth group in July. D uh, Darren Flieger, who is our senior youth high group here, asked me. I, in fact, he and I had a chance to talk, and I told him my, my story, and he says, oh, you've got to tell the youth group, and I thought, oh, you know, why would they want to listen to an old lady, you know, but... It was it was great because I have so many roots in the youth ministry here. So it, it worked out great and God used it. And uh, so Christy asked me, and I just remember the verse in 1 Peter 3.15 that says we, this is paraphrased, uh, we should always be ready to share um, the, what, what, the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And so I think when somebody asks you, you need to be open to that. So. I'm here. So, um, you know, of course, one very important thing, you have to decide what you're going to wear to something like this. <laughs> and um, I've been thinking about it for a while because I wanted to be casual, but, you know, put together. You know, that's what, how we think. And so I um, thought, well, I'll wear something fallish. You know, it's going to be great for fall. But today in exercise class, senior fitness class, Lisa, my dear Lisa is here. Yay, Lisa. Uh, she is having us wear pink for the month of October because it's Breast Cancer Awareness Week, a month. And so I thought, why, am, why didn't I think of that? So I, in class today, I thought, I'm going to wear pink tonight. And as I'm looking over my pink options, I pull out what I think is very appropriate is my Purdue Women's Leadership sweater that I got uh, years ago. And I still wear it because I like it so much, even though I'm not at Purdue anymore. And this was a great program. And I thought, wow, I'm speaking to women. I'll be in pink. I got all my, um, uh, yeah, stuff on. And, and breast cancer is a part of my story. So I thought, thank, so thank you, Lisa, for making me think. So just a, a little bit about the way, way back. Um, I grew up in a Christian home. My parents were very loving very devoted to one another, and very devoted to us children. There was five of us, and I'm number two in the birth order. And um, I was pretty shy, pretty quiet uh, child. But my dad had this thing where he moved us all the time. And so I think looking back on that, I even see God working, that he was really teaching me how to be able to reach out to people, how to get over my shyness, and to be able to, to reach out and just express myself. So I think that really helped uh, in friendships, making friends. So um, after about three moves, three different states, we were in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And my dad came home and said, I'm leaving my corporate job. And I'm joining Purdue University and we're moving to West Lafayette. I thought, oh, dear. <laughs> oh, thank you, Joseph. Uh, my beautiful mother-in-law is over here, so... Uh, um, so I thought, well, here we go again. I'm going to have to make new friends. I'm 15 years old. It's getting a little bit more awkward maybe to do or challenging. And um, every time we moved, of course, we had to get a, look for a new church. And we typically went to Presbyterian churches. In fact, we always did. I can't think of any other church we went to. And so when we got to West Lafayette, we visited a couple of Presbyterian churches. And one of those was Covenant. And Jim Tozier was the senior pastor then, 
And he um, called and said, Could we, can I come out for a visit, visit with you? And so my mom and dad invited me to that meeting. And I thought, yeah, I'm going to check this guy out. And so um, he came and he was sharing with us that they had just hired a new pastor who was coming. And she was going to be leading the senior youth group. And I was so excited because I'd never had a woman lead anything like that before. And I thought, well, this is going to be super fun. Well, Lydia Saradin came, and she was very fun, energetic, excited about her faith. And youth group just swelled. I mean, we were up to like 70-some people. We couldn't find homes big enough to meet in. And so... Um, in May of 1971, we had a, a guest speaker come. For, he was invited by Lydia, but he was going to spe speak to the youth group, but he was uh, speaking to the whole church, too. So we I mean, the sanctuary was filled. It was Sunday night, and this guy's name was Billy Zioli. <laughs> and he, he was just like his name sounds. He was a big Italian guy, real boisterous. And just kind of, just fun. He wore, it's the 70s. Remember, it was polyester. He wore white, all white pants and jacket, white patent leather shoes. And he had this bright colored shirt, not a typical Presbyterian thing. Uh, he had this bright colored shirt on. And he, I was fascinated. He was the chaplain for the Chicago Bears, uh, the Detroit Lions, and the Detroit Tigers. And I could just imagine him in that locker room speaking to those big professional ball players. I mean, he just was put it out there. And so that night, for the first time, I heard the gospel message. Now, don't miss this. I've been in church all my life, and I've never heard the gospel. And he said it so clearly and simply, and I just know that God moved in me in that moment to hear it, that Jesus died for me, and I needed to respond. I, he was calling me to respond to that, and I thought, wow, I could just feel the weight of that uh, in that moment, and uh, he did an altar call. Again, not very Presbyterian. Uh, you know, we're the frozen chosen. And, um, I mean, bunches of people went forward, and I thought, I'm going forward, and I'm going to dedicate my life to Christ, and I am going to follow him. So, I was all excited and enthusiastic, and guess what? I didn't like it. It was hard. <laughs> it was hard. I found it hard to live the Christian life. I don't know why. Um, but I, I was in high school, and I wanted both. I wanted both worlds. I wanted to be a Christian. I wanted to love Jesus and follow him. But I wanted to be with the popular kids, too, and what they were doing. And, um, I mean, that's just, a, it's, you really can't have both worlds. But I told myself I could. It was a lie that I really believed, and I convinced myself. And if you think about it, if you put your foot on one path, and then your foot on another path, at some point, the paths are going to go so far apart, you're going to have to pick one path or the other. So this period of my life uh, began a long time of 
believing that and trying to live that, which was pretty shallow, really. But in the almost decade, I graduated from high school, graduated from Purdue, and married my heart, my uh, high school sweetheart. And um, just a few short years into the marriage, he told me he wasn't happy, and he was thinking about divorce. And I was devastated. Wow, divorce. Um, and in that moment, I just didn't have any answers, except I knew I wanted to cling to my faith. I knew Jesus had the answers. I didn't. And I was going to follow him. And I rededicated my life to Christ. And I told Christ, I said, listen, I'm going with you no matter what. I want my husband to come. I don't want to lose him. But I can't control that. And I'm going with you. And if he goes another way, then so be it. And so um, really interesting. Um, my husband said I was you really got back involved in church. And he said, a few months into this, he said, you've changed. I said, what do you mean? I, you know, I didn't, I didn't know what he was talking about. He says, I said, no, I haven't. He says, yes, you have. And he said, I'm going to go to church with you. So he started going to church with me. And um, shortly into that process, he, he gave his life to Christ. And um, it was a good time for us. We really grew strong and you know spiritually, and we really grew back together. And um, not too long after that, uh, we were approached and asked if we would help with the senior high youth ministry. And I, um, I think we were a little afraid and hesitant, but we said, "Let's take a step of faith and see what happens." So this began a great period in my life of. Uh, just being in this ministry, <laughs> senior high youth were so much fun. I have so many great memories, trips, just programs, mentoring young girls. Um, it was just, it was really special. And we really grew stronger together. And um, I, in, in reflecting, I can see that God was really preparing me, strengthening me for what was to come because there was trouble ahead. I didn't know it. But he knew it, and he had my future in his hands. So um, the youth group ended, and our marriage was really struggling. And um, I trusted that God could heal us and bring us together. And one of those struggles in that marriage was infertility. For years and years, I, I had so many tests and pokes and prods and procedures and it just never happened. And um, after a while, I was just so drained emotionally, physically, that, God, I just have to give it up. And I thought, well, I'm just going to give it up with the hope that something good will happen and that you're in control. So shortly after that, my husband said he was done and uh, he was moving on. He was going to leave me. And that was after 19 years of marriage. And um, I didn't want the divorce, and I believed God could heal us. And, um, you know, God doesn't always answer prayers the way we want them to. I mean, he's answering prayers, but it isn't always the way we want them to be answered. And, I mean, I was in so much pain. I felt like the best way to describe it, like I was carrying around a big concrete block all the time, and I couldn't get out 
from the weight of that with the sorrow and pain. And um, a couple of the verses, I mean, I just, in that time, I was growing closer and closer to God. I mean, I just had to. That was my only answer, the only thing I could do. And two of my favorite verses that really helped me through that time were Psalm 34, 18. And it says, God is close to the uh, brokenhearted and crushed in spirit. Uh, man, that is me. I am brokenhearted and crushed in spirit. But he's close. And I sensed that. And then the other verse that was so much encouragement, and I read over and over, was Isaiah 42, 1 and 2. And I'm going to paraphrase it. And God is speaking to his people. And he says, um, I created you and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, they will not sweep over you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burnt. And that's exactly the way I felt my life was going. It was hard, but he was there and he was protecting me. So a year or so later, interesting how these ministry things <laughs> come and swell in, in my, my life. But it's just always God's hand, perfect timing. I was approached by one of the pastors here and asked if I would lead a divorce recovery group. And I said, yes, I would do that. And um, it was really through that ministry that I saw how God walks with us. Um, that he gives us the ability to comfort people in sorrow and pain. And I felt I really knew how to comfort people because God had comforted me. Just to sit with somebody and just be quiet, just to be with them, when to speak and when to be quiet. Um, it just was a, a, a really special time and just um, to help others. So um, let me see, I'm getting lost here a little bit. Um, so I just think a couple things about grief I'd like to share is people have different types of pain. Everybody in this room probably knows about divorce. If you haven't been through one, you know somebody close who has. Um, you cannot rush your pain. We want to get out of it. We want to move on. You see people jump into new relationships if it's a divorce type of situation because they want the pain to be done. We don't like pain. I don't like it. But you have to be patient. You have to go through the process if you want to come out healed and moving on, the ability to have joy in your life and move on. And the other thing I really want to touch on is this concept of forgiveness. People in, you know, in this class, this recovery class and others as well, they resist forgiving. They don't want to forgive. Um, they, they just don't understand it. And forgiveness is not um, saying that you weren't, you weren't wronged or there wasn't some type of injustice. It's just the ability to move on through it. And you have to trust God in that moment. And he understands your pain and your anger. He himself had a lot of heartache with his people. And so he understands that. And um, if you don't forgive, then you get stuck. And um, God, again, brought to mind some things that prepared me in this moment. Um, one was my grandmother. She went through a very ugly divorce in the 1930s, which divorce was not real common in the 1930s. 
and women didn't have a lot of options when a man walked out. Um, and so she never could get over it. She was so bitter. And there was just times it was hard to even be around her. And I thought, I, I, don't, want, I don't want that. I want to heal. And the other thing was I had some really good friends who'd gone through divorce ahead of me. And I got to see them work on their healing process and move on and be healthy. And God brought those women to mind, too, in their experiences. So thank you for sharing that with me. Um, the next chapter is uh, Enter Dan Hartley. <laughs> I was uh, single for uh, 10 years. And um, it was a good 10 years of really growing. And there's good things about the single life. Uh, and um, Dan had been single for a long time, much longer than I had. And he was very ready to get married. I was not. And so I really dragged my feet. I was slow about this. <laughs> Bar I don't know, Barb, I talked to her in, my, in her office about it. But anyway, um, we, we decided to really pray about it. And uh, we just felt God was calling us to that next step of commitment. And so um, Dan, Dan had a daughter, and she was in, off to college out of town. And um, I, had, I had a lot of hard adjustments with a second marriage. And I think, I have to confess, I had to walk with the Lord in this, is that I just wanted to control everything. I wanted it to be what I wanted it to be, and uh, that, that's not right. And um, I think I was really afraid of marriage again and of being a step-parent. That was a brand-new concept, foreign territory to me. And um, it was difficult. And it's, a, it's been a difficult relationship with his daughter and painful. And it was for him as well. And so, um, but again, I just feel those, that time, God was really using me. He just doesn't ever let me go, you know. Uh, he always seems to have to use pain. I, I guess I need that pain. Uh, you know, we grow more in the valleys than we do on the mountaintop. At least I do. And um, have you ever heard that song on the radio that says, um, I want to be more like Jesus and less like me? I just love that song. And I thought, man, God is doing that. And he just was standing off some of those tough edges. And uh, it's by his grace I go. And um, I really praise him for the way he's brought Dan and I closer together. And we're really at a good spot in our marriage. Um, we still have a lot of relation, um, work to do in our relationship with the step, his stepdaughter, our daughter, his stepdaughter, his daughter, my stepdaughter. And uh, I know he's working in us, probably working off sore more on my rough edges. <laughs> and then shortly after we got married and we're in this transitional time, it was kind of a turmoil for me as I was trying to adjust. Um, I was um, diagnosed with breast cancer. Oh, boy. I just remember so specifically how I prayed for this. And I'm sure a lot of us have been touched by breast cancer in this room, either personally or with a friend or family member. And I remember praying, you know, because 
you get these tests and you have to wait. You know, it's a lot of waiting, which is hard. And uh, after this first test, I just prayed. I said, God, please don't let it be cancer. I don't want cancer. I mean, just make it a, a, some kind of a growth and they can remove it and I'll be okay. You know, well, uh, I got the test back and it was cancer. And so then I prayed. I said, God, now, can it just be a little lumpectomy? Uh, I don't, I don't want to lose my whole breast. Just, you know, make it a little. Well, I had two tumors and I had to have a mastectomy. So I said, okay. Okay, Lord. Um, <laughs> I said, can I please not have to have chemotherapy? Because people, how, people in chemotherapy really look sick. And I didn't want to be that sick. And I didn't want to lose my hair. And so <laughs> almost two years of chemotherapy. Um, I am very thankful. Thank you, Lord. I'm cancer-free, and it's been 18 years. And so I'm, uh, he, you know, it didn't turn out quite the way. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, it didn't turn out quite the way I wanted it to. But, you know, God was there, and he was with me in it. And, uh, you know, I think it, another thing that just really made me a better person was going through that pain. And I thought to myself, you need to be a lot more comforting to people who are going through cancer. So uh, that was another area that I could really encourage people. And other people encouraged me, too. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> so, you know, for me, I, I look at this and I say, um, life has pain. <laughs> it just is a part. And um, I, do, I, do, I do know that God uses those, and I trust him with it. And I've really come to accept that I, I need pain in my life because it keeps me close to him. And um, I can be more the person he wants me to be. And in reflecting, again, just like thinking back, this is such a good exercise for people um, to think about your faith journey uh, story. Um, I just think it's so obvious that God loves me. And, you know, in addition to growing my faith, faith and not letting me stray very far, he always put people in my life to walk with me, um, and they were such a blessing. I had amazing, amazing family, amazing supportive friends, um, but God provided more. I couldn't have asked for more, but he provided more. There were such strong women of faith that came around me during my divorce. And I met with them individually and regularly, and we would pray, and they would listen, and I would cry, and I would moan. And, you know, they just, they would pray with me. And I, <clears throat> as I look back on that, that, that process of going through that pain, I really prayed at the beginning that God would change my husband. He would see what he was doing was wrong and come back and heal us, you know. And uh, that didn't happen. And so... I, I began to change. So God was really working in me, and I, I, I liked the work that he was doing, and I could see it, and I was ready to, to move on. It was such a healthy thing. And um, the people, the church here at Covenant, the body of Christ, 
they have been so close with me in everything that I've gone through, but especially going through breast cancer and the death of my mother and the death of my father and even the death of my brother. I don't know how people do that without those loving people coming around you and supporting you uh, and praying with you and just encouraging you and helping you. And again, those are very special holy moments that you get the privilege of walking through with other people. I don't think I could have done it without them. Uh, one uh, amazing blessing is, after, as a result of the eight years of working with the youth ministry here, I really had it in my heart that I wanted to work with young adults. So I applied to Purdue and was hired into Purdue Housing, which uh, I was there for 30 years, and um, I got to work with students. And what a gift to be able to work with young adults, to help them develop, mentor, teach, uh, walk alongside them. It was, it was such a privilege. And, you know, I loved it. I loved it. I don't know how many people can say they had a job they went to for 30 years and loved it. I mean, I, I just think that's such a gift from God. And um, the community of people I worked with at Purdue were incredibly supportive. I think they always wanted the best for me, and they were there for me too and all these different things. Um, I have to share a current story uh, about God's faithfulness in my life. A lot of you, I've told a lot of you because I'm so excited about it. I just kind of burst open and talked about it. But um, so in, in January of 2020, I turned 65. And I thought, man, how do I know when I'm supposed to retire? And I thought, I love what I'm doing. I don't want to retire. I thought, but I, I, I don't want to stay past what I can contribute either, because maybe you've seen people do that. <laughs> no name, but um, I thought I, I don't want to be one. I want to I want to go out, you know, when it's right. And I thought, well, I, I love what I'm doing. I I think I'm going to stay. Well, <laughs> two months later, the whole world shut down. COVID came in. Even Purdue uh, had to close, and the uh, workplace um, really changed. I did for all of us, and. Um, it became a much more remote work, um, and I, I'm not a remote person. <laughs> I like people. I want to be with people. That was gave me a lot of synergy, and um, just to be with them is really important. And so I missed the campus. I missed the students. I missed the staff. I missed the people who cleaned the room. I mean, I just missed everybody. And we, we did eventually start going back. But um, it was different. There was some remote stuff, some, uh, you know, in-person in stuff. And it was like every other month we had to learn a new software. I thought, man, I haven't even mastered last month's software. And I thought, you know, I think, I think maybe it's time. Maybe somebody with fresh eyes, ideas, could come in and do something better. You do it better. Uh, and so um, I told Barb, my, my, my boss, my former boss is over here, who I love dearly. 
uh, and she's a good friend. Now I just call her friend, except I still call her boss. I don't know why, but <laughs> oh, I don't know. Um, so I told her, and I gave her about a year, and she told me at one point, she says, you're not really leaving, are you? <laughs> and that's why I just, I felt like God was preparing me. You know, I was just getting ready. And so I timed it that I would retire in the spring because I wanted to be out in the garden. I didn't want to retire in December at the end of the year and then sit in the house in January and February where all my girlfriends are in Florida. So um, I, I timed it to start, I get retire in the spring and um, so I could be in the garden. And it was all kind of fun and games at first. You know, I was going here, seeing those people hanging out, riding horses, spending more time with my mother-in-law, Phyllis, who I love dearly. And uh, it was fun. And uh, January came. And uh, I don't know, I was sleeping later and later. I thought, my goodness. <laughs> I need more structure. I need deadlines. <laughs> you know, I need... Uh, and so I thought, you know, maybe a part-time job would be good. But what would I do? Now, listen, I don't want to put anything down here. I mean, uh, you can be a greeter at Walmart, and that can be a ministry, you know? And I thought, but I, I think, I, again, after 30 years, I wanted to do something more meaningful, you know? So I thought I could call Barb, and I bet she'd give me a part-time job. Uh, but, what, but, what would it, but what would it be? <laughs> Uh, it probably would be student programming, and that's going to be nights and weekends, and I don't want to do nights and weekends. So I thought, oh, I'd love to work at the church, but what would I do? I don't want to do program ministry because that'd be nights and weekends. And I thought it'd be great to have Christy's job, but I didn't see Christy leaving. <laughs> and so I thought, what would that be? So the funniest thing, you know, God's working in all of this. Two days later, I see Sharon at the grocery store. She's on her phone and shopping with her mother. She, says, she goes, oh, she gives me this big hug. She says, oh, David and I were just talking about you. And I thought, she was on the phone, or I would I would have said, what are, you, what are you and David talking about? You know, it's kind of weird. And I thought, oh, maybe I'm in trouble. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that very next Sunday, David Henderson, who is our senior pastor here, he said, would you be willing to consider being my ministry assistant? He says, it's very part-time, very flexible. And he said, you'd be in ministry with me. My heart went, bitter patter, bitter patter. I've always loved David. He's been like a brother to me. Since the beginning when he and Sharon came 27 years ago, he is just an amazing guy. And I thought, I can't think of anything I'd like to do more than to work with him. And he so... I said, well, I almost levitated when he asked me this. And I said, I said, I think I should go home and talk to Dan and pray about it a little bit. Well, I called him the next day. And Dan was very supportive. He wanted me to do it and thought it'd be great. So um, it, it was, it, I started in March. It's just 15 hours a week here. And it is such, such a blessing to be here with the people of Covenant. This, the, the staff is fun. It's uh you know, it's healthy. It's just, it's just a good place. It's a perfect fit for me. And I, I probably wouldn't be getting all these ministry <laughs> questions about uh, sharing my testimony. Have I not done it? <laughs> but, uh, so it's just, again, I, you know, I look back and I told David, I said, you'd, you'd ask me last summer. I, I said, no. Uh, but you know, just the timing, 
where I was, what I needed, and it's just been such a gift to be here, such a good point in my life. And so, uh, so many of you here tonight are a part of my story and have walked with me, you've been a part of it. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you for being here, but also thank you for the way you contributed to my life. I wouldn't be the person I am without you. And God used each of you in my life. And so I'm just so thankful for that. Music